to kind of get into this, I'd like to take you back about um, two or three weeks. Uh, when did Sandy come? Was that Sandy, Hurricane Sandy three weeks ago, something like that? Two, three weeks ago? Okay, good. No one knows. I don't either. So there we go. Hurricane Sandy's coming through. And you guys remember the event, right? You remember getting ready for Sandy and all of what that meant for us. Um, we had um, some contingencies in place should things go really badly. And I remember um, trying to think, what am I going to do around my home for Hurricane Sandy to get ready for it? And there's some obvious things that I wanted to do, like move the things that will fly through the air when Superstorm Sandy comes, right? Okay, it's really simple. So get the deck chairs off the deck, right? Get the table off of there. Now, I, I read an article, I think it was on Lancaster Online during that time. <clears throat> Maybe some of you read that too. Not that the media is ever um, placed to sensationalism, <laughs> but... Uh, an article was written about, um, apparently in some laboratory, and I believe it even was in York, that there was a, um, um, a, a laboratory where they, they, they um, had a, a chair, a deck chair, and they circulated wind, I think 60 mile an hour wind, caught that chair and flew it through a window. Isn't that kind of neat? So then, now they're writing this story. Listen, if you, don't, if you don't get rid of the deck chairs on your deck, which is always going to be sitting right next to your window, Superstorm Sandy could come and take a 60-mile-an-hour gust of wind and kind of like, a, I don't know, a Bruce Lee right leg, kind of put that leg right through your living room window, bust out your window, which is fine. That's kind of a bother and all that. But here's what will happen next. The vacuum caused by the window that's missing will suck the drywall off the studs of your house. I'm serious. This is what the thing is reading. And then, and then it'll compromise the studs itself, and the supporting walls could collapse, meaning your entire house will collapse because you left a deck chair on your deck. This will only happen in rare circumstances, <laughs> but it could happen. So, time to get rid of the deck chairs, right? This is what I do. I get rid of the deck chairs, get rid of the table, and I'm doing this by myself, it just kind of the way it worked out. Um, and, I, and I'm moving the grill off the deck, and if you're anything like me, you know, getting ready for five to ten days without power, and you know, filling up the bathtub with water, and the kids had a great time with that, just sitting there watching the water come up. It was really cool. Can we get in? No, no, it can't get in. Um, so it was good fun. And then you know what happens, Sandy comes and it doesn't hit us as much as it does others. But here's the deal, I went out for a bike ride in the middle of kind of that preparatory stuff because there's not much you can do once you're kind of ready. So I go out for a bike ride and I'm riding through Amish country and I, I'm riding by a home and again, this is not quite 24 hours away from when we think Sandy's going to come. And there are people doing all kinds of preparation, cleaning, you know, um, sticks and logs, logs, uh, tree branches and all that off of their yard and all that, which is fine. Cleaning gutters, it's great. But then I go by somebody, and you know, they have a broom in their hand, and they're sweeping the dirt off their driveway about 100 feet from their house to make sure the driveway is, is clean. Because I'm telling you, and you know this, right? The last thing you want in a superstorm is for your driveway to be dirty. I'm thinking, really? You're spending your... I couldn't process that. I'm like, you, you, are, you are sweeping dirt, just not even leaves, right? not even, there's nothing, your house is immaculate. The house was immaculate, truly. The yard was immaculate. Everything was perfect, ready for a storm. Bring it on. Bring on the chaos. And the last thing I'm going to do before the storm comes is I am going to sweep the dirt off my driveway. I can't. Now, here's what that tells me. Number one, people are dumb. 
<clears throat> That's what that tells me. I, I, why in the world? I, I have no rational reason for why you would do that. It makes no sense. But number two, really, no, really what this tells me, is that, that, that all of us are, are concerned about what things look like on the outside, even when it doesn't make any sense. And what's even deeper than that is we don't know that we're so consumed by what we think about the outside until we get a different set of eyes on it. It's like Ashley and Audrey talking this morning. They got a different set of eyes on their heart. And I have a different set of eyes on the guy who's sweeping dirt off his driveway 100 feet from his house, less than 24 hours before all chaos is going to break loose. And we've all experienced this, right? To be more concerned about things on the outside. It's holiday season, right? Today we have a family gathering for Thanksgiving. You're doing that too. Anybody, anybody, anybody ever experience a family environment where there's things going on underneath that you don't talk about? That you sit together and you smile for the picture because you're more concerned as a family about getting a good picture because we want the driveway swept. Even though there's a storm coming, who cares, who cares? Hey, as long as we have a nice picture and on the outside everything looks good. Anyone can relate to that. Anyone can relate to working at a place like that where you walk in, there's tension, there's stress in the environment. And no one talks about it. But we just got to keep the peace at a level like this. Anyone ever experience that? Right? We all have. This is part of the condition of the human heart, to be concerned about things that are on the outside. And today, as we get into this, um, the message in the, the biblical text in front of us, God knows this is a part of our condition. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they began to cover themselves, literally clothe themselves, cover their shame, and protect themselves from what other people think, and put on a good front with one another. And so God knows this is our tendency, Jesus knows this is our tendency, and he speaks to this very tendency and the danger that it provides for you and me in the book of Matthew that we're going to be in this morning. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there, Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Excuse me, Matthew chapter 6, <clears throat> verses 1 to 18 is where we're going to be at this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew near you, um, and that Bible can be yours as a gift from us to you. We would be glad to have you take that, um, keep that, use that, read that, engage God through the life uh, that is found in those pages. Uh, if you pick up that Pew Bible, you can find our text either on page 787 or 938. And as you're turning there, I want to tell you, just kind of frame this up again for you. We're in this series called These Words. And the reason we're calling it These Words is, again, we had no other idea of what to call it. But no, really, what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7, which we're going to get to by the end of this series, is that um, these words that, that he's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, that these these words, those who follow these words and do what these words indicate will build their house or their life upon the rock. So when the storms of life come and they threaten to really rock your world, where do I find security? Where do I find foundation? And Jesus says these words, these words, those who do these words, not just hear these words. Now, to put it all in context, we just finished Matthew chapter 5, right? 
Isn't that bright of me to realize that comes right before verse, or chapter 6? We just finished last week chapter 5. So Jesus is still speaking. We still left him, if you will, in our minds on the mount here, speaking to people who want to come, little Jews, middle-aged Jews, older Jews, probably some Gentiles mixed in, all kinds of people coming to hear what in the world is this guy teaching about. And Jesus says something At the end of chapter 5, in fact, since you're at the beginning of 6, you can easily just look back to the last verse of chapter 5. And and I want you to read the first two words of the last verse of chapter 5 out loud when I say 1, 2, 3. Ready? 1, 2, 3. Beautiful. Boy, that was good. Not a lot of passion on that, though, so let's do it again. 1, 2, 3. Bring it a little louder this time. One, two, three, what? Be perfect perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect. So here's the people, they've just heard this be perfect thing from Jesus. And here's what Jesus knows. Here's, Here's a danger. People, people might actually try to do this. Right? Wait, Someone, someone out there might actually think that I'm, I should go out and sweep my driveway before a storm comes. Because I want it to be perfect. And so Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And then it's almost like in reaction to that, he's like, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me continue. And now we get into our text in chapter 6, verse 1. The first two words of verse 1 are what? You say it with me out loud. One, two, three. Be careful. Be careful. I love the volume on that, by the way. That was very good, very good. Be careful. Okay, be perfect, and now let's begin the next section. Oh, oh, by the way, be careful, be careful. Uh, Warning, right? Warning. Let me tell you, and you know this, you don't say to somebody, be careful if there's not something dangerous or dumb that they are about to do, right? Ah, you're going to go on a date? Okay, don't be dumb. Don't don't do that. Ah. No, no, be, be careful. Be careful. Don't blow it. Don't do that. I remember when I, was, I got my license for the first time. Uh, I was 16 years old, <clears throat> back when you could get your license at 16. And, uh, and I, went, I drove from my house there, which was uh, on Cherry Hill Road right over here, and I, I made a big trek to the old Paradise Elementary School right over here, maybe, maybe a mile and a half one way, to play basketball, because they have these small uh, basketball um, hoops that are still there outside the elementary school. And for <clears throat> people like me and my teammates, we knew we were never going to be in the NBA, so instead of playing up to the NBA level, we brought the NBA level down to us, because we could dunk on these eight-foot rims, which almost hit our head when we go by. So I'm like, man, I got my license. The first place I'm going to go, man, they're playing ball at the elementary school. I'm going to go. So my dad is like, what do you think? What do you think he says? Be careful. Like, Dad, I'm going like a mile and a half down the road. I don't care. Be careful. We say this to people when we're saying, be, be careful out there. There's danger out there. Uh, the other morning, I need to tell you this. Um, I can tell you this because it's public now, right? <clears throat> the other morning, I got a text. It was a great text. And it read, um, hey, honey, hope you have a great day. I love you. Isn't that nice? Except there's some Keith Roar. <laughs> who's the pastor at Keystone Church right down the road. Be careful. (laughs) Be careful before you send the text, right? I mean, 
Who hasn't told their kid who's getting the, the, the privilege of texting for the first time, you can't take back what goes out there? So I responded to him. I said, I love you too, Keith. I didn't know we were quite there yet, but man, let's go. Um, and he told his congregation that last week, I think. So that's, that's, that's out there. But, so, but the reality is once you, once you send it, once you, once you have the privilege of communicating that way, be careful what you say what you send. Warning, warning. So I want you to know, this whole passage now opens in the context of warning, warning. Be perfect. But in case you actually decide that you want to be perfect, some of us are going to be so driven to want to be perfect. We're going to be so driven. We're going to sweep our driveway before a superstorm comes. Why? I don't know. It's just because what I do. That, I'm telling you, will kill you spiritually. And so Jesus begins, and he continues in his message, and he begins in chapter 6. Be careful. Here's a warning. Be careful. And here's a warning, verse 1. Not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness to be seen by men. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. You'll have no reward. Isn't that an interesting warning? Of all the things Jesus could warn about, he's warning about this. Why? Why that warning? Why is this that big of a deal? Don't all of us struggle with this and do this at some point? We kind of do what we do and other people see it and I can't help it. But here's what Jesus knows. This is dangerous. This is life draining from you. That if you are going to make your spiritual life, your commitment to God, be a collection of public events where people are going to see you doing things, it is going to absolutely kill you. It will drain everything from you. You're going to be living, as, as I'm going to say now, you're going to be living from the outside, what people see in, instead of from the inside out. And, and that, I believe, quite simply, is what Jesus is saying, that a life lived outside in is inside out. A life lived outside in is inside out. Here's what happens. When, when we do this, when we live a life in which our spiritual experience, our connection with God, is a collection of public experiences that other people see that I do because I'm here because my mama told me to come and I know she didn't tell me but if I don't go she's going to look at me cross at Thanksgiving and I don't want that and I'm only here because man I want to see that girl I want to see that guy and yeah, I don't know and I'm coming to that mission thing because I know it's kind of the right thing to do and, and people will like me a little bit more if I go there okay, okay the motivations of our heart are always messed up but here's what Jesus is saying be, be careful warning ahead that what will happen to you and what will happen to me is that I give strength and get strength from whoever I'm trying to impress. If I'm trying to impress you, I'm going to try to invest into that relationship with you. And I will only get out of it what you give to me. And here's the problem with that. Um, When I do that, when I make you my God, my vision For life is way too small. My fear of you is way too great. And my impact on life is way too limited. I want to say that again because I think it's actually important. 
when I do what I do in front of you to get your approval, my vision for life is way too small, and my fear of you is way too great, and the impact that I have on life will be way too limited. And Jesus says, be careful, there is great danger here. Because the temptation of the human heart is to want to please people who are right around me. To live from the outside in, rather than from the inside out. He carries it further. Let's keep going with Jesus. Verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now I want you to notice the connections, the parallels that Jesus is creating. He's first of all talking about giving, and then look what he does in verse 5. See if any of this sounds familiar. Verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the what? Let's try that again. And when you pray, do not be like the? We heard that before. That just came in the verses prior. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their what? Word in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is what? Unseen. Then your Father who, read this last end of the verse with me, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Right? Okay. Now, now we get into verses 7 to 15 are the Lord's Prayer. We're going we're gonna to jump over that. It's an incredible passage. I'm going to allude to it later. But I want you to see the parallels that Jesus is creating. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the what? Hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they receive the reward in. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is what? And your Father who, read this again with me, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Three different issues that Jesus brings up to the crowd. Right after he says, guys, be perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He knows our tendency is cool, man. I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to do whatever I can. How do I please God? I'm going to please people around me. And we're going to default into just pleasing one another. He says, listen, no, no, no. When you give, don't do it so people see it. When you pray, don't do it so people see it. When you fast, don't do it so people see it. Now, sometimes that has to happen. I'm speaking, I'm teaching to you this morning. We had a public prayer you gave this morning. People probably actually saw you put something in. Okay, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is, listen, if, if the, whole, the whole part of your spiritual life is consumed simply by what you do externally, that people will see it, that you're trying to please anybody, your mom, your dad, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiancé, Your kids, your boss, you want a reputation in the community of, man, I'm a churchgoer, I'm an honest guy, I do this. But the heart is missing. Then, be careful, be careful. This is dangerous. 
Be careful when you drive, 16-year-old. Be careful before you text. You can't get it back. Be careful. This is dangerous. It's not just a bad idea. This is dangerous. Because all of my energy goes into pleasing you instead of my God. Keith Green wrote a book. Um, he's an, uh, an older artist, um, musician artist. His book is called No Compromise. It's an autobiography. I'd recommend it. Uh, I was recommended reading to any of you. Um, I read it many years ago now. And he made a line, and he created a line there. I think he may have even written in one of his songs. And he, and he says this. He says, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Right? And, so, and some of you heard that before. But, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. But here's the, here's the danger. That there are going to be some of us who are going to think that because other people who seem to be holy and other people who seem to be righteous think we are good enough that we're good. I'm consistent in attendance. I give regularly. I go on that event. And my standard is what you think of me. And I'm living from the outside in rather than the inside out. And Jesus says, be careful. This is actually, has eternal implications for your soul. This is not anything less than that. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness so others are going to look and say, man, what a fan when we really want to be followers of our Savior. So let me ask you this question. Privately, personally, just between you and God now, just between you and God, in the times when you have private time, some of us don't know what I'm talking about. That's a problem. Some of us have no margin, no space for that. This is a problem. But in the private times, what is your passion? What stirs your heart for the things of God? Do you even want to pray anymore? Do you want to give? Because you, you want to give. Do you want to fast? Because you want the heart of God on this or that issue. In the most private time, when it's just you looking at your broken heart in the mirror, what do you really want to do in your relationship? with God. Be careful not to do your works of righteousness 
so that they can be seen by men. You've gotten your reward in full. Great job teaching that lesson. Good prayer. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for going on the missions team. Thanks for being here this morning. And your vision becomes too small. Your fear becomes too great. And your impact is too limited. Let me encourage you with this. In the most private times this week, taking even what Jesus lays out for us here, What do I want to give to my Savior? What do I want to give to my God? How do I even want to pray to Him in the most private time now? What would I say to Him? And if you don't know what to say, right? Because, hey, join the club. Line up in the line of people who don't know what to pray. It is a long line. Welcome to the line. While you're in the line, you may want to reflect on the passage we skipped over, and that is Matthew 6, 7 to 15, the Lord's Prayer. Something maybe you memorized as a kid. Why not this week, in the most private time, a quiet moment within your week, pull that out again, dust it off, refresh it. Our Father, what does that mean? Our Dad, our Dad. Who's, who's in heaven. Okay, you're, you're in heaven and I'm actually not yet, okay? Hallowed or holy, hallowed be your name. And walk through it phrase by phrase. Allow it to impact the condition of your heart. You need to tell anybody. You don't need to, to trumpet it. You don't need to put it on Facebook. You just need to know, where is my strength coming from? Thirdly, fast. Fast. Why not? Privately, right? Not what we all give up for Lent, and I'm going to, here's what I'm giving up for Lent. I'm giving up chocolate for Lent. I'm giving up the Eagles forever. No, for Lent. I'm giving up whatever for Lent. Not, not all that stuff, right? But privately, what do you just really want to do on your own? Because the reality is we tend to give strength and get strength from who or what we're trying to impress. So if I'm trying to impress you, I'm going to give you all the strength that I have. And I'm going to get either uh, affirmation or rejection in return. It's going to be way too small of a vision for my life. It's way too small of a vision for your life. If Superstorm Sandy is coming, and you have an option of what you're going to do in the remaining hours, I'm telling you, don't sweep your driveway. It's not worth it. Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, good. But be careful. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, that a life lived from the outside in where I replace God with you is a life in which it's going to be an absolute waste of a life. An absolute waste of a life. Because my God is replaced by the applause of men. And Jesus says, I tell you, you've received your reward in full. You got it. And it feels good. But there is more. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
I just want to encourage you. Jumping off, Ashley and Audrey are up here saying to us, please don't, please don't allow the fullness of your spiritual life, the fullness, the totality of your relating to God to be stuff that other people see you do. It's just not enough. When the storms of life come, you're going to wonder, why don't I have the strength to get through this? And the answer is going to be because I haven't developed in the private times of my life this desire to want God through knowing his word, through praying, through giving, fasting. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Let's pray together. Our good God and our heavenly Father, we are um, prone. We lean into wanting other people to like us. I want people to like me. Everybody here feels this tension. We want those around us to give us approval and affirmation. And so I tend to act in a way that I think other, will make other people like me. And then here stands Jesus' words as if a mirror right in our path saying, look at what you're doing. Because you're walking down this road, you're just going to get strength from these people. But I offer more to you than that. I see everything you do. And my strength is greater than the strength you could get from anybody around you. I am in heaven. And I see it all. And I'm your father who loves you. So develop, nurture, grow this relationship with me in private. Be careful. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men so they can give you their approval. Remember, I see it all. Lord, I pray that you would give us the great courage. We know what we need to do. All of us do. We're just afraid to do it. We want to live from the inside out. And yet in the middle of it all, even as this last song is going to say, and we're going to sing or just reflect or hear these words depending on where we're seated and what we do, but we're going to say these words, a thousand times I failed and still your mercy remains. Should I stumble again, still I'm caught in your grace. You ask us to be perfect, and yet we know that means find your fullness in the grace of God. Because this is where perfection, fullness, and completion comes from. So in the middle of our stumblings, in the middle of our failures, God, we want to lean into you to know you from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.